it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Gopalan, Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg, Explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG Guys. Hello and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omni-channel digital journey of brands and retailers. I'm, of course, your co-host, Shri. I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Peter Bond, the data and loyalty guru and the retail knowledge captain himself, also the partnership acceleration lead at Essential Digital Commerce. Peter, how you doing, man? You should be excited. Opening day just took place. I was going to say, and while uh, I'm incredibly envious that you got to go see opening day in Chavez Ravine, I am pleased that the Dodgers emerged victorious. They are now in first place, undefeated in the National League. Uh, For envy of all people, including the last place San Francisco Giants. 
But I know you're happy because the Yankees are on top of the American League. So, wow, both of our teams. This could be an omen for what's coming, Sri. Let's just move to the fall classic, shall we? This is the way we go, Peter. The season ended today. We've got a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. So why don't we plan for that one? Would you agree? The way it should be. I was happy. I got my MLB.TV going a little late into the bottom half of the first inning. Judge just walked up to the plate. What happens on the sinker ball second pitch? The first home run of 2023 for MLB was hit by Mr. Aaron Judge, taken off right off where he left season 2022. And then we had Gary Cole throw 11 strikeouts, a new opening day Yankee record. I was hoping for 13, the American League record. That didn't happen. But hey, we'll take the Yankee record. But what a start. Can't wait for game two. I know, Shri. In fact, uh, the Yankees probably want to thank you for your subscription to MLB TV because it's going to help pay that ridiculously onerous salary that they're giving Aaron Judge this year. Meanwhile, the Dodgers don't need your help because they shed anybody and everybody and are sending them too much money, I think. So (laughs) they should be giving away more free bobbleheads is what I think. But in any event, Peter, thank you for that. Um, we'll leave it a little bit of a mystery here for the audience. Will the CPG guys be found at the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby like 2022? But more to come on that as the season involves 161 whopping games to go at the time of this recording. But before we get to our guests, I want to remind our audience to visit cpgguys.com on a web browser where you can find links to our 275-plus podcasts. And of course, on all the major podcast platforms. If you're not already doing so, follow us on LinkedIn where we publish new contents and comments each and every day of the week, seven days a week, even on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday. Subscribe to the other podcasts in our collective, including the FMCG Guys, CPG Scoop, and the newest edition by our third co-host, Mr. Brian Gildenberg himself, the CPG Guys Fast Forward. We're also proud to be sponsors of Next Stop, formerly known as Network of Executive Women, whose mission is to advance all women in business and to promote gender equality in the workplace. If you are a female founder or do not have a sponsorship to your organization, please let us know by dropping an email at contact at cpgguys.com. Again, that's contact at cpgguys.com, and we're happy to sponsor your membership to this elite organization. The digital liner notes of this episode contain hyperlinks to our site, the other collective podcast sites that I mentioned, our LinkedIn page, and Peter, we have a landing page on NextUp's website. How about that, huh? Ready to get to the main event? Our guest today hails from the world's largest retailer, who you have personally heard me often refer to as the world's most elite retailer on this show. With a background featuring Walmart, Amazon, Yahoo, she is one of the leaders in the delivery and fulfillment space. Join Peter and me in welcoming the Vice President of Walmart Fulfillment Services herself, Jai Buckley-Cox. Jai, welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Dylan. A little bit like I'm a Mariners fan that make make me a little unpopular, but uh, I'm going to hope for another good season. But glad to be here coming off the energy of Shop Top this week. So it's it's exciting to be here. Johnny, I remember uh, the Ichiro Suzuki days, and um, that was my affiliation with the Mariners. I used to follow that guy pretty closely. And man, what a player Ichiro was, a first base running threat, always a hitter to get on the first base and then complete the entire diamond. And uh, incredible records, he said, in baseball here in the United States overall. And that's how I think of the Mariners. So great to have you join us today. And before we get to the questions we've prepared for our conversation, would you take a minute, please, and share with the audience a brief overview of what Walmart Fulfillment Services is? Yeah, so Walmart Fulfillment Services is really part of our overall Walmart strategy to grow our assortment and stuff so we can be the single destination where customers start to find what they're looking for, or maybe something they didn't even know they were looking for. So part of that is then we've grown in addition to the assortment that we have in our stores and making that available online. We've got our Walmart marketplace. And part of that is then adding a lot of assortment. In order for us to do that, then we enabled Walmart fulfillment services, which allows sellers to take advantage of Walmart's supply chain We actually then take their inventory into one of our warehouses, store it on their behalf. And then once an order comes in on walmart.com, we then fulfill that order, including all the way delivery to the customer's home on the seller's behalf. And taking advantage of that, we can offer a fast and low cost solution to sellers. How awesome is that? We, of course, will include links to your LinkedIn profile, Walmart's LinkedIn page, 
And of course, uh, their corporate site in the digital liner notes of this podcast episode so that the 90% plus of people listening to this episode on their mobile devices can easily learn and just click as they listen. And so I will kick it off now with the first question. Chari, your career has elite brands in your background, but cemented in delivering for the consumer via fulfillment. What a mission. Take us through the years at Yahoo, Amazon, and of course now as it's shaping out at Walmart. And what advice would you give to someone early in their career in this space, seeking to follow in your footsteps to be the fulfillment captain for the consumer? Yeah, it's a um, fun question to answer because I've often admired and secretly envied people that just knew, Shri, what they wanted to do from their career from the beginning. I think about one of my best friends in college, maid of honor my wedding. She knew from the time she was in eighth grade, she wanted to be an optometrist, went to school, became an optometrist and in practice today. My career has looked nothing like that. I went to college, thought I wanted to be a professor of history and economics. Fortunately, halfway through college, they give you this chance to do a practicum. I get into the classroom and went, Ooh, I only like teaching students that are highly engaged and already love the subject. I do not think that is the heart of an educator. Unfortunately, I didn't have any more money for college. I had to get out in four years. So I stayed on that path and got out of college and needed a job. And now when I look back, that's the advantage of when you've been at your career for a while, you can look in hindsight. And every step along the way of what I got to do in my careers kind of led to this moment. So I got out of college, I got a job at Equifax doing like credit modeling and doing bad debt. I didn't, of course, realize at the time that was going to help with things like predictive analytics, right? How we think about the use of algorithms today when you're doing like credit modeling. Um, I also learned a little bit about like customer service, doing sales, presenting like results to customers and things and kind of taught me some of these early skills and how do you start to manage a team? I then left Equifax, got recruited by someone I'd worked for before and went into the BPO business, starting to learn things about technology. This tells you the hindsight. I started to learn things like broadband. If you remember early ISPs like Earthlink, remember when stamps were going to go electronic on e-stamps? Um, so I learned a lot about technology and starting to lead large-scale teams at that time and started to think more globally and starting to lead teams outside of the U.S., was there for several years and then got recruited to go to Yahoo. And it was at Yahoo that I learned like how to build like consumer products online. Like what is this thing about ad revenue online and that that becomes a business model and what that looks like. And so got to do a variety of things at Yahoo, which then led me to Amazon and got recruited to go to Amazon and got to do just a suite of things I could have never predicted. I started out helping lead North America customer service. So large-scale teams. But while I was there, got to lead the first kind of pass into this idea that we could have people work remotely and at home. And what's the technology and how do you think about that with the right guiding principles and led a large team to work virtually. And then actually got to start to build products. Things like if you go on Amazon, it was the first time that we actually started to invent and put on asynchronous support. Then you can lay a chat bot on top of that to solve easy problems. And then that led to get asked to lead what we ended up calling the post-purchase delivery experience. So think of every experience from the moment you hit the buy box until you receive a package or a refund. And how do we give customers more control and transparency over that process? Things you might be familiar with, we got to lead with my team was like photo on delivery, live map tracking, right? The ability to reschedule a package. And then how do you monetize the post-purchase experience? And then the last part of my time at Amazon, I got a chance to help build out um, the enterprise support for AMZL, which is Amazon's own transportation carrier. These all led me into supply chain and promise and transportations and fulfillment, and inventory placement and you know things that I was learning at that time, which then led to this moment at Walmart. And then I like telling the story how I came to Walmart. It's it's one again, I could have never seen how it was going to unfold, but got lucky in the process. And we considered that when I was at Amazon, you know, Walmart's a formidable competitor. We watched them closely. We saw the pace of innovation picking up that was really correlated with Doug McMillan, the CEO, taking over. And so I followed um, Doug on LinkedIn and he had a quote on there once that described our culture as being people-led and tech-empowered. And Kamala, I love that quote. It resonates with my own value set around all value comes from people. So 
I was attracted to that. So when I got a call from Walmart, interested in coming to there, I went um, down to our office actually in San Bruno and some dark basement office that I didn't find for years later um, and went interviewed on the supply chain side. And candidly, the guy that was like drawing up the org chart up on the board and stuff and was talking about this role. And I stopped him and I was like, that's a terrible job. And I don't think you should hire anyone that would take that job because either A, they have no idea what's going on or B, they don't want to get anything done. And both of those are bad. He's like, um, okay, tell me more. We brainstormed a little, we did a little workshop and then we kind of wrapped it up. And so I'm on my way to the airport telling my husband, yeah, I don't think the timing's right. I don't think this worked. Um, but he did a great job keeping in touch with me. We, we kept talking and he called me one day and said, you always said I had to have the job. You just couldn't say no to him. I'm pretty sure I got that job. Call me back. Well, I was obviously going to call him back anyway, uh, but called him back. And it was this idea that we wanted to start to explore how could we monetize our supply chain and capabilities. And we think you have a really interesting background to do it. And I got to tell you, Shreen Peter, I took this massive leap of faith. I had not been an individual contributor in 20 plus years of my career. I'd led teams as many as 15,000 product, program, all kinds of stuff. And I just believed in the opportunity. I believed in Walmart. And I literally left my job at Amazon and came as an individual contributor with maybe some vague idea of what I might do. So I got here. I wrote a white paper strategy document, which is now uh, Walmart Fulfillment Services. Got a chance to present that. We built a team originally of 13 of us. We call ourselves the OGs and got about 20 some um, software development engineers and you know went to work. And within seven months, we had actually built four brand new systems. We touched or enhanced 37 others. And we were up and live, found six braid sellers that joined us. And we went operational within that seven month period. And then about four months later, we went live publicly. And here we are now with, you know, tens of thousands of sellers on the platform. So it might be a little more than you wanted, but it's it's my story. Wow. And what a story that is. Jure, thank you for joining us today. And welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. Uh, as a side note, I'll let you know that my undergraduate major was in the politics and psychology of terrorism. So I think that's why Shri is always afraid of me because I'm always terrorizing him. But that's another story. Okay, so with all of that under our belt, let's talk about more broadly the fulfillment space. It has grown significantly over the last five years, particularly over the, the course of the pandemic. Um, and I think that very few know that the 3P marketplace is an enormous ecosystem. So in your mind, what were a few of the major highlights that drove this tremendous growth for fulfillment services that now permeate the marketplace? Yeah, um, I can answer both, Peter, a little bit broadly, and then kind of view on just the industry as a whole, and then for Walmart in specifics. And certainly I'll start with from a Walmart perspective. Again, if you think about what Walmart's doing that's really unique is we're really on the journey to build the first truly like and at a scale omni-channel provider. That's a word that's used a lot, but if you link about it and link it to Walmart, it's true. Think about our you know 4,500 plus stores across the country. We're making all of that inventory available for customers, however you want to receive that. Do you want it shipped to your home? Do you want to actually deliver it inside your home and into your refrigerator? If it's a you know, refrigerated good, do you want to come pick it up at a store? And then we say, well, there's lots of retailers and brick and mortar, but we're actually doing that again. All of that e-commerce on the same side, you've got great e-commerce competitors and brick and mortar. There's not a lot that have learned to integrate that. And that's what Walmart we're doing. So when we take our inventory from these stores that we have and we go, well, gee, we want to expand that. That's where really we started to build out our marketplace. And we got really serious about investing in our marketplace over the last, you know, several years or so. And it's given us the ability to extend that assortment all the way through, you know, any kind of category that you can think of. So from our perspective, we go, that's what we want to do. So we can be that single destination to shop for our customers and make that convenient. But what Walmart had uniquely beyond that, that answers your question around fulfillment is like Walmart's one of the largest supply chain companies in the world and has got experience, investments, you know, capability to do that. Logistics is hard and logistics is expensive. And Walmart's been in that business for a really long time, well before more and more people have entered the space. So we said we could actually then take that, externalize that capability 
right? And all the investments that we've made, the infrastructure that we have, the expertise that we have in that and offer to our sellers to take advantage of that supply chain at one of the lowest costs in the industry, if you see, and at one of the fastest shipping speeds. And this enabled us to draw a, a lot more sellers onto our platform and it helped us be able to speed up what that delivery is on behalf of customers. So that's what's really made sense for us in inside of Walmart to be on this journey. So, wow. I love that you uh, were very clear that Walmart, of course, is a supply chain company because it's at the heartbeat of getting stuff to consumers in the first place. And you're banging the center of that now. And um, I got to imagine in the last five, seven years, especially over COVID, there's been a huge influence of the technology trends, including maybe things like AI that Peter and I really don't know how to connect back to fulfillment. But what are those technology trends that are emerging in our industry that are aiding you at Walmart fulfillment services, including maybe robotics? Yeah, a lot um, to your point on robotics. Um, if you've been following some of the announcements from Walmart over the last year or so, we've actually um, opened up several new fulfillment centers that are taking advantage of really sophisticated robotics. Number one, it makes our fulfillment center safer for our associates. It speeds up what the process is and adds a lot more efficiency inside those. Of course, then we get to take advantage of that and extend you know, those efficiencies you know, on behalf to sellers that are using our logistics capability. So I think if you actually go and, and perhaps even sure you can decide if we want to link to some of those kind of announcements or even some of the videos that you can see the level of investment that we've been making, taking advantage of that. In terms of AI, places that we're using that is helping on solving one of the most complex problems in retail, which is inventory. How much inventory should I buy? When should I replenish? How much? And then where do you place that actual inventory so that you actually get it closest to the customer at the cheapest price at the fastest speed? And we've made a lot of investments in that area as well. And then one of the extensions on that too, Sri, as you'll see from Walmart Fulfillment Services, now that we've taken that investment and using that technology in-house inside Walmart, we're starting to be able to expose that to actual sellers. So you'll see some of the things that we'll actually announce a little later this year for sellers to see is we'll be providing them models with recommendations around how much inventory should they actually put into Walmart fulfillment services. It's one of the top questions sellers ask, well, how much should I send into your warehouse? So we'll be providing them guidance on that initial amount they should send in. We'll give guidance on when to replenish and then also where we're going to distribute their inventory as well. So, Sheree, how did Walmart identify that extending your fulfillment services to your sellers was a white space area where you could really muscle up on and turn it into a commercial solution and have your sellers responded to these service offerings? Yeah, a little bit like I was sharing earlier, part of just Walmart's strategy is how do we actually extend assortment? Our goal is certainly to be one of the first places customers, you know, come to to look for anything that they want or again, discover things they didn't even know they wanted or needed. And so we knew we needed to add inventory beyond what was in our stores and a way to do that through marketplace. And so one, just the extension of going after additional assortment. And then we go, what are we uniquely positioned to do? And again, being one of the world's largest supply chains, it made sense for us to say we could take advantage of the infrastructure that we already have in place. We can do that at a really low cost and offer that you know, to sellers. And so it was in that regard, it's kind of a natural extension of, again, something we're already really good at and uniquely positioned to do. How awesome. Let me remind our audience that we're speaking with Jai Buckley-Cox. Vice President of Walmart Fulfillment Services. So we've talked a little bit about technology and its influence, especially robotics. Clearly that this was a white space area that has accelerated even further these days. And um, now I wanna move into sellers and the third party marketplace, which obviously while not new and foreign to Walmart, it's still one of the new aspects of Walmart's offerings. So can you give our audience an overview if someone wants to be a seller, how do they even engage with Walmart fulfillment services? And then what sort of effort does it take to begin service and deliver for the consumers? Is it a one month process, three month process? Is there a lot of paperwork involved? Like how does one just connect and get started? Yeah, just to get started, it's pretty easy. You go to marketplace.walmart.com and that's where you can get started. 
And I'm glad we're having this conversation now as opposed to six months ago. Because when you said, is it hard? Does it take a lot of time? That might have been a different answer. But we uh, had a release about six, seven months ago that has really made this process really, really seamless. And so you can get started there by the website I just gave, and then you can join Marketplace. The thing that we're really working on is how do we make that easy, but not compromise our standards? Walmart Marketplace has been known as saying carefully who comes onto the platform. We want quality sellers that are bringing quality assortment. So you'll make an application on there. It's pretty quick. We'll actually validate some information to ensure the integrity of who the seller is, integrity of the things that you want to actually list onto the website, ensure that they meet our compliance standards. And right at the same time that you become a marketplace seller, you can apply to be part of Walmart Fulfillment Services. So it's a pretty quick and easy process for you to do that. Once you choose to get part of Walmart Fulfillment Services, there's um, either a couple different things. One, there's informational videos, things that you can read, things that just tell you, number one, what kind of products can you bring? And number two, what are the things that you need to do to set up you know, that item to become available for sale? Once you go through that process, then you've got a choice. We've made it available for sellers to take advantage of our low cost capabilities for you to inbound your inventory. So you could elect to use that. We call that our preferred carrier program. You can actually use that. We'll come pick up your inventory wherever it might be in the United States, and we'll bring that into one of our fulfillment centers. Or if you choose to use your own transportation service, then We'll just tell you what inventory or excuse me, we'll tell you which fulfillment centers to send your inventory in. We check it in. We let you know, you know transparently once it's arrived. We actually aspire to get things checked in within 48 hours. One of the guiding principles we thought a lot about when we built this is that we say inventory is cash for sellers. We know that. So we try to always a do two things in response to that. Make sure you always know the status of where your inventory is and how do we always move that into a revenue producing position as quickly as possible. So we strive to get your things checked in in 48 hours, make them available on the shelf for sale. And then um, you've got a series of reports and things that you can use as a seller to understand, you know, what's selling, when do you need to replenish and things through our seller center that you get the information reports that you need. And what we see has been super fun for me is we see about a 50% increase in sales. If you had that item available on walmart.com, you then take that same item, you make it for sale through WFS. Our sellers see on average about a 50% lift in sales once they do that. That's really in response to two things. They get a shipping badge that says two-day. We know customers like a fast shipping speed. And then the confidence that um, customers have when it says on the site sold by XYZ company, but fulfilled by Walmart. They have a level of confidence that they see on that. And that 50% increase, you guys, as we've scaled the program, has actually grown a little bit on that. So sellers are really delighted by seeing that increase in sales. And then you can see if you go out and compare our pricing, our pricing is just one of the lowest that you can find in the fulfillment space. So as a seller, I win because I get a faster delivery. So I see the increase in conversion and I get it at one of the lowest cost points. One of the things I want to point out for our listeners that you mentioned, Jai, which I think is really amazing given the supply chain expertise that Walmart has is you will actually pick up inventory for sellers if they want. Is there like a minimum size, anything, or is it really based on what the seller wants to do? Really what the seller wants to do, we have a a parcel service capability, so we can do it in parcels. We're just about to release the capability for less than a, a full truckload and then a truckload. So we've got the suite of, of services and capabilities for sellers. And we see a really high adoption rate for that. I, I can't imagine why, because obviously they're looking at Walmart as a supply chain company and saying, hey, I got to jump on jump on that and leverage. The second thing you also mentioned that I want to come back to a little bit is uh, the ability to see inventory management and all pieces of the inventory moving. So I got to imagine there's some robust dashboards and technology behind that showing a step-by-step. Yeah. And we'll continue to, if you think about our journey, I was sharing how quickly it went, you know, we've really been live and in at this like in three and a half years. So I always describe like kind of those first years we were building like kind of core functions and functionality for that. Then we started to kind of layer on these services like the Walmart preferred carrier program, or we can also prep 
your items as a seller as well. So think about prep is things like, oh, if you're doing a liquid, you got to make sure that you can you know, tape it up so that it doesn't leak when it actually gets shipped. We started to add these kinds of services and capabilities and then increasingly more sophisticated services like giving you guidance on how much inventory or when you should replenish, things like that. So we've been kind of layering on these capabilities to do that. And so with that, then we're increasingly giving you more and more transparency and visibility of the status of your inventory. When it arrives at the you know warehouse, when does it get like checked in? When have you had that? And it is through a series of dashboards, or you may be integrated through an API or maybe a different kind of channel partner. And you had asked me earlier, Peter, what's been the response you know, from sellers and the market? And I was going to answer that like, if you think about how scrappy and startup this whole process was, I mentioned it was originally 13 of us and a handful of software engineers that we like locked ourselves in a room. I felt like I was living in a guy's frat house for quite a while. Um, we'd have lunch in there. We'd live in there for days, drawing on boards and things. And we actually targeted, we thought, oh, in that first year when we have, we'll have like, you know, kind of a small, maybe bigger than a handful, maybe an armful of like sellers. And it was phenomenal, Peter. We just had thousands and thousands of sellers that responded. We ended up having a wait list. I never pictured us having a wait list in the beginning because it was just way more than we could have anticipated that we had. So we had to like clear through this wait list so that, you know, now obviously you can just apply and be part of the program immediately. But we had to kind of wait list sellers till we could build more capacity and go faster. So that was exciting at the beginning. But then you're like, well, as you scale, how is that going? And the neatest thing for me is we have a really high seller retention rate. And that has continued um, even as we've scaled, meaning that once a seller puts inventory into the program at an exceptionally high rate, they actually stay in the program. They can add SKUs, they might move into different categories, they may do different things, but they stay in the program. And it's one I'm particularly proud of and one we measure ourselves on. I've said from the very beginning, and the reason I wanted to build this, we said it, we wanted it to be, you know, kind of built by sellers and for sellers. And I always said, like, one of my dreams would be, I want to be in an airport at some point. I want somebody to ask me what I do. I want to tell them I work at Walmart Fulfillment Services. And I want some seller to say to me, I love it. I feel like that is truly a place that I feel like I went on, that you guys built it for me. And that's what you meant it for. And I would feel incredibly satisfied to have that experience someday. That's what we think is part of our value proposition. Well, beyond price, we're going to be one of the lowest prices we can, the scale, the expertise, the amazing you know, capabilities that Walmart has in this space. But we can offer that. And we think it's a place that sellers can be super proud and feel like this was built for me. Well, I can say with respect to the story about the airport, um, and I've told this on the podcast before, standing in line in TSA in Hartford, Connecticut at 530 in the morning with a mask on and no swag, having someone walk up and ask me if I was part of the CPG guys and thank me for uh, all of the education that we present. Uh, it's a laudable goal. And it I can tell you in person that it is quite a rewarding experience for that to happen. So I, I uh, can appreciate what you're saying there. So you've been very good about detailing the kind of services that Walmart Fulfillment Services offers. I'd like to really understand if I'm a seller, particularly as I start thinking about investing in retail media to really increase my sales, helping my business grow, how do your services interact with kind of that advertising investment? You know, In addition to that, how do you live to the spirit of continuous improvement around things like this to keep yourself really touched and connected to the dynamic nature of omni-channel evolution? Yeah, I'll answer that a little bit broadly and then specifically get to your question, you know, Peter, because I think it speaks to just this journey that Walmart is on, right? If you think about, we've got our advertising business through Walmart Connect, we've got our marketplace business, we have what we've referred to as like our quote 1P business, right? This is where we're on marketplace, but Walmart has a owned and purchases the inventory. We have our stores and then we've got Walmart fulfillment services. And all these businesses kind of grew up, you know, under their own timelines and under like their own leadership. And part of what Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart and John Ferner have done over the last few years is really bring organizationally all of these groups together so that we start to truly function like an ecosystem, 
right? And I'll give um, example, like we were talking about for just marketplace and Walmart fulfillment services. You go and you apply today to Walmart marketplace and you immediately will see an option for you to join Walmart fulfillment services. That used to be a two-step process. Now that's just fully integrated. The same thing now when you go and you were to go to marketplace.walmart.com, you're going to see like even right now, we've got a promotion going on that says, join it. We'll give you a discount on your referral fees, but you also get an ad credit from Walmart Connect so that we help you make these things discoverable. Where it used to be, we had Walmart Connect kind of sat next to Marketplace, which sat next to WFS. These things are all now integrated. We did last year promotions for WFS along with the sellers that would join that. We gave ad credits for that, or we gave them additional services and support out of that about how do you make your products discoverable? So you see integrated offerings and promotions now to truly say, okay, we've got a customer base, which is a seller, we know that they are looking for new places to diversify and add their revenue and things. So how do we offer them the suite of services to get discovered, whether that could be through the 240 million customers that are shopping Walmart around the world every week as Walmart's drawing in new customers that gives them new customers to find. And we've got to help them make that discoverable. And we now kind of function organizationally how we're structured how our incentives work and everything is all now integrated on building out that same ecosystem. Does that answer your question? Peter? Yeah. And that's just really a function and, and journey that's been super fun to be on here at Walmart to watch that happen. No, I, I would just comment that it's very clear the way you talk about it, how customer obsessed you are, not only on the customers that shop your stores, but the customers of Walmart fulfillment services, those sellers, because they are, in actuality, customers of yours. They are availing themselves. They are investing in your services. And it's very clear that the solutions that you're trying to create are meant to be responsive to the needs of those sellers. To your point, to get themselves and their inventory into a position as rapidly as possible to help them generate revenue. So yeah, I think you answered the question perfectly. Thank you, Jure. Yeah, if you saw Peter, like when I first built the team, we had this set of guiding principles. Some of them are the same, some we've adapted a little bit. But one of the first ones you'll see is we describe about treating you know, sellers just like customers. And we start from the seller experience and work backwards. And it's exactly how we think about it. Why we gave a you know a 48-hour aspirational kind of service level. It's why we give account management you don't have to pay for. It's why support wasn't. We wanted sellers to love this and feel like this is a place I could build a business. And it- it's my opinion that Walmart as an organization is moving very much in that direction because as opposed to the legacy of retail, which was they were the buying entity, there are now so many services, Walmart Connect, Walmart Luminate, Walmart Fulfillment Services. They're all about selling solutions. And as a result of that, it's starting to permeate that customer partnership element that might not have been there in the more traditional brick and mortar uh, world of sell products into my warehouse. It's all one P and that's just the way it is. So uh, it's really heartening to hear that Walmart is embracing this much more collaborative position through the kind of work that Walmart Fulfillment Services is doing. Yeah. And if you think about that, it's a good summary, Peter, and think about like, at a size of company of Walmart, we've really done that in like just the last few years. Think about how fast that's moving and those integration points are happening in a company the size of Walmart. That can be hard to do, but I will say Doug McMillan, John Ferner, Steve Schmidt, they're just so clear about the vision and like what we need to do. So you get a, some great guidance from our executives and then they line up organization structures, incentive structures, rewards, KPIs, like ways of working, all have supported that to accelerate those moves in a company that's like built its reputation, obviously being brick and mortar and, and merchandising. So it's been fun. I, I don't know that I'll get another chance in my career to be part of something that you get to build that big, that fast and see that much transformation at this kind of scale. There were some critical downstream words you used there, such as lining up the incentives. That alone can be such a game-changing moment in the industry. And you referred to Peter already giving you a summary. I'm waiting, Peter, for the end of episode summary because I hope you've taken copious notes because this is a power-packed episode from Jai. So I we got a couple more to go here. So the next one we have for you, Jai, is 
Take us behind the scenes of how you make decisions on working with sellers and how do you actually approach what you can proudly call a successful partnership or a seller can say is a successful partnership with Walmart Fulfillment Services? Yeah, I'll say we have a, a few different kind of mechanisms that we use. One I mentioned a little bit earlier around this idea of these like guiding principles that we use. This is when I wrote along with my team, like an initial set when we started. The core of them that stayed the same, maybe the maturity of the business means some of those have evolved a little bit, but I'll, I'll walk through those. But what we did, they kind of one brought clarity to our vision. And the second thing is when we had to make a decision, these are how we make tiebreakers. Like you have different people with different points of view or maybe different kinds of trade-offs. This is what we would echo back to. So examples of those I mentioned earlier is like we work backwards from the seller experience. And our goal was to say, you know, seller trust is paramount. How do we do that? Well, we recognize that inventory is cash for sellers. And so we wanted to make sure, do we have transparent policies for them? Do they always know the status of what their inventory is? And one you might find a little bit humorous that we started with on the sense of transparency when we first started. Um, I said, I wanted our pricing to be so simple that you actually had to be able to write it on a dinner napkin. And um, it was awesome because then I presented that and was sharing that with somebody in uh, one of our Walmart executives. And he's like, prove it. Can you really write it on a napkin? And I literally had to get out in the meeting and like show them on a, on a napkin. I will say we've added more services. So it kind of has to be a dinner napkin. It can't be a cocktail napkin anymore. But the spirit of like, is it simple? Can you easily articulate it? Can you have it? But that would be an example. We said, oh, no, that's too complicated. You can't. This is a match. And now it's got to be bigger than a napkin. Um, that would be an example of how we make decisions based on these like guiding principles. I'll give you another good one that we've used a lot. And it helped, particularly when you're trying to have like this startup feel and move this fast inside a large company. We said was we always had clarity about we were biasing for speed. We knew there was a unique moment in the market for Walmart to go and go get after. And so we said, we're going to move quickly to like seize this market share. So we'll certainly strive to avoid duplication of tools, processes, and technology. But when forced to choose, that means we'll buy us for speed. And that meant that I kind of use this axiom with the team that two is better than zero. So mains meant maybe something, I'm going to go build something, something kind of like that exists, or maybe it has, but the timeline didn't work. And so we're going to go build it ourselves, knowing we might go integrate it back into someplace else. We might have accrue some tech debt, but it was worth it on the speed. And we just had great clarity on that. Other things that we did is like, we wanted to provide incentives to sellers. You know, um, we didn't want to be punitive. So we want to say, can we reward you for the right thing? You know, when does it make sense for us to make sure that we're incenting those right behaviors? And how do we do that in a really positive reinforcement way, as opposed to like negative? So these were the kind of things that we used, Shri, to like say, knowing that seller experience and we wanted to be a differentiator in the market on these ideas of trust and transparency and partnership, we put those into action like through these guiding principles. All right. So, Sheree, that is wonderful. I want to close us out in our conversation today with what we always do, which is look towards the future. You've given us a great deal of how you got to where Walmart Fulfillment Services is right now. Help us understand what are some of the areas that you're focused on in the near to midterm future, like technologies, capabilities? What What is it that's really got you innovating in taking WFS to the next level? Yeah, I mentioned earlier kind of our philosophy was we knew that from a product design perspective, we were building kind of core functionality. We knew sellers have expectations of what what needs to be available to them to you know, use some kind of a fulfillment service. So we spent our time on that. We started to layer in some of the services that I described. And so I think I'll just think about like, what's the next third level, Peter, on some of those things. One of the things that we've heard a lot from both brands and sellers that either use or want to expand their use of WFS is they want the capability to have a single shop, right? To use all of their fulfillment needs. Because it's complicated if I have fulfillment over in one place and another, and I've got to manage that. So we've had a beta going of what we call multi-channel fulfillment. This is where you as a seller could use Walmart fulfillment services, not only to fulfill orders that come in on walmart.com, but off of walmart.com, maybe your own website, maybe a different 
you know, external third party one. So we'll be expanding that this year and using that. And that's again, an offering to sellers. So takes out the complexity of managing their um, inventory multiple places, and they get to take advantage of the cost structure. So again, we've got one of the lowest cost structures out in the market that we're really proud of. So you'll see us do that. Um, I have to be careful. John Forrest is on here. I can't get in trouble to announce anything. I'm not ready to. So I'll say it this way. I think you'll see us um, provide capabilities to help sellers move goods all around the world. I think is an area that you could expect to see us being able to kind of both kind of participate in of what's out there and some ideas of what we think is new and uniquely positioned that Walmart can offer, I think are some places. And then I mentioned giving more tools and capabilities for sellers to help manage their inventory, how much we're going to help give them things at an item level. What are profitability predictors? How much inventory? Where should you place it and take advantage of all this infrastructure and investment that Walmart's made in that area? And how do we start to externalize that and allow, whether you're a really large seller or a really small business, maybe out of your garage, that you get advantage of what you know big companies are investing in, but you get to use it to grow your business too. Does that help? Oh, yes, you bet. Let me remind our audience that you can find all of our content by going to a web browser and typing cpgguys.com as the URL. And of course, if you think your company has some thought leadership to contribute to our community discussion here on the CPG Guys, drop us an email at contact at cpgguys.com again. That email is contact at cpgguys.com and maybe you can join us on the podcast just like Jai did today. Don't forget to drop us a rating at cpgguys.com on the navigation bar at the top right we are nobody without our followers. We can't thank you enough for the 21K plus LinkedIn followers. When Peter and I started this, we did not comprehend how important a largest podcast would become in the CPG and retail industry. Jai, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and truly giving our audience a 101 and a 202 on Walmart Fulfillment Services. This is the first time we've gone down this path. And wow, we got some amazing content. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And thanks for having me on there. And again, I also appreciate education and the service you guys are giving to our industry. So thank you very much. Peter, that was power packed. I hope you've taken copious notes because you know what time it is? It's time for a recap, Peter. It's it's time for the post-game analysis, right? Here we go. Um, so many notes, and I agree with you, Sri. Uh, I have a much deeper understanding of Walmart fulfillment services after our conversation with Jure. I love the fact that she started like me as a social studies major, but also by necessity took a job outside of academia and uh, learned things like predictive analytics, doing credit modeling at Equifax, uh, entering business process outsourcing, learning broadband and ISPs, moving into ad revenue, leading global teams to the tune of like 15,000 people. I, I have a problem just keeping you in line, Shri. I don't know how she does 15,000 people, but in any event, uh, joining Amazon, leading North American customer service, and starting to build digital products, uh, doing post-purchase delivery experience. I can't tell you the one thing that just jumped right out at me. I love the photo on delivery. When I'm out of town and I can see where that product has been placed, if it's raining and I see that it's outside, I will text my wife immediately, quick, go get that package, bring it inside. You know, that's that's something that's very important to me. So I love those kinds of solutions. Getting into supply chain uh, because she was inspired by some words that Doug McMillan, the CEO, had uttered through a publication or at an event, I think is quite noble. And getting a job, and I can speak to this myself, Jeray. The best jobs I've ever had in my career are ones that I've designed myself and I, or I've had a, a significant role in it. And so glad to see that while it wasn't right at the time, the right job based upon what you had mapped in that dark basement in, in San Bruno turned out to be the career that you now find to be so incredibly inspiring. The fact that Walmart um, is on a journey to build an omnichannel merchandising service model uh, and the best in the business is quite remarkable. And the fact that it allows for assortment extension to be kind of a single destination for customers, also really powerful. And that you want to offer yourselves the opportunity to take advantage of Walmart supply chain capabilities is also what a great way to really extend out the capabilities of Walmart and make them powerful for your sellers in addition to Walmart as a 1P distributor of products. 
focusing on robotics and fulfillment centers that drive speed, efficiency, and safety, uh, that AI is helping solve many inventory problems that the industry has been experiencing for years, and then really just focusing on Walmart's unique infrastructure to deliver services at very low cost. I think that is very much in concert and in line with what Sam Walton's original vision was. Um, and that, hey, people, who, sellers that are availing themselves or your services are really seeing 50% increase in sales uh, because of some of the, uh, the acknowledgements that happen actually in the shopping experience for Walmart guests by having the shipping badge and the fulfilled by Walmart badge. Let your guests know that this seller is a legitimate, trusted seller within the Walmart ecosystem. Uh, and that thousands of sellers have embraced Walmart fulfillment services in very short order. And you've got a very high retention rate. The fact that, as I mentioned, your customer is obsessed in delivering meaningful solutions. You use guiding principles to direct your business vision and to help you make difficult decisions. But yet you're able to boil this all down onto what originally was a cocktail napkin and now is a dinner napkin. That you're biased for speed and your future looking, thinking about a single shop to solve all seller fulfillment needs, not just through Walmart, but how they're selling elsewhere. Uh, and that coming in the future will be global inventory logistics and even profitability predictors. Oh boy, you got it together, Peter. Well done. How, how did you do, Joey? He did a great job. Yeah, I was like, man, if I was in college, I'd want to get his guy's notes. I'd want to make friends with him because he takes great notes. And Jeray, I also took mechanical drawing early in high school. So my notes were all perfect oh. block letters. So everybody actually did desire to copy my notes for exams. A little side hustle you could have had going, or maybe you did. <laughs> oh, I did. Trust me, I did. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeray. Thank you, Peter. That's a wrap for this episode. We will see you soon on another episode of the CPG Guys. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.